The views you are about to hear are the personal views of Kira Lawrence and her guests. They are not necessarily views that are shared by the organisations to which Kira is associated. You're listening to Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod. Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod. I'm good, thank you. I'm really well. I'm in a bit of a Glastonbury frenzy at the moment because it's very, very soon. So, yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot to do. Yes, yes, I'm sure you're a busy, busy lady and I'm looking forward to seeing it all on TV. So, yeah, I'll be watching. Hey, excellent. <laughs> um, brilliant. So, thank you so, so much for agreeing to do my podcast. Um, I'm delighted you said yes, so thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It's been a it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? We've been trying to organise this for a long yeah. time. So apologies, but I'm really glad it's happening now. Yes, definitely. And I guess I have to first say that obviously I know you mainly through my career at Mencap. Um, so I looked back at my career at Mencap and I first met you in 2005, which seems only still like yesterday. Um, and it was when I started my celebrity research role job at Mencap and I first met you. That's right. Yeah, I know. We were doing, because I, I got involved with Mencap, we were doing the little noise sessions when we had lots of amazing bands doing um, special gigs, really special gigs at the Union Chapel for Mencap. Yes, that's right. And I, you are an amazing ambassador for Mencap. And you're very passionate about change and you're very passionate about making sure people with a learning disability like your sister, Frances, is heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, you know, <laughs> I've grown up. She's just my sister. And we've we've had so many adventures and so much fun together. Um, and I think just over the past few years, I think there's been quite a lot of change in people's attitudes towards people with learning disabilities. Um, you know, that you used to not really see many people with disabilities out in the out, out doing what everybody else was enjoying and doing. And that always really struck me that, you know, why wouldn't you be going to a gig just because you have a learning disability? Why wouldn't you be acting? Why wouldn't you be present on screens and in everyday public life? And I think people are a lot more aware now and people are being given more opportunities. There is a long way to go. Um, but, you know, Gradually, we're breaking down barriers, I think, and um, and helping to you know just present a positive and give a positive life to people who, who might have learned disabilities. That's so true, Joe. And obviously, you know, I'm also a person with a learning disability, and I'm really passionate about making sure people like Francis and myself are heard and seen, and that we're treated equally in life like anybody else. And I must say. Through COVID, 
you spoke up so passionately because obviously Francis went through it and you spoke up and you helped to get people with a learning disability the jab and get it get them prioritized so I just want to say a massive thank you to you for speaking up because you really helped make sure we got prioritized for the jab well, that's that's very good. It just suddenly it was like a penny dropping, I think. And um, <laughs> just like, why? Hang on. Why are people not being given the jab? Why are they not a priority? Of course, we should be helping people who can't help themselves. And so, you know, I was very lucky. Poor old Francis had to go through the whole thing. But I was lucky to be able to use my voice and just my presence to say, hang on a minute. These people need the jab as quickly as possible. And so, um, yeah, I'm just really happy that between me and Francis, something changed and uh, people got their their vaccinations uh, yeah. sooner than what so thank goodness for that yes exactly and hopefully now we're coming out of it obviously there's another wave around so hopefully fingers crossed if there's any more jabs we will get them um so yeah so tell me a bit about your family about your career over to you Oh my gosh my family um <laughs> so well you know you mentioned Francis already yeah. it's just the and then my mum and dad and Francis lives in a mencap home um, and or in, in residential care. She went, I think it was last weekend, she went to Great Yarmouth with some of the carers and they had a fantastic time. Yeah. And she was FaceTiming me constantly, telling me um, that she'd been doing, she'd been to the pier, I think, or a fairground and she'd won a load of sweets. So I felt like I was kind of in Great Yarmouth with her. Oh, <laughs> Um, but it was really nice. It was very important that she has a life independent of my parents and of me. You know, why wouldn't she? So it's I was, I was very grateful that she was taken away and they had a really fun time. Uh, she's home with my parents this weekend and it's going to be Father's Day. So we'll get to spend the, the day together with my kids as well. I've got four children who are they're not really children now. Obviously no. they will always be. But they're, they're grown up India's uh, 30, Jude's 23 or 4, Cassie's 21 and Coco's 13. So I've got a whole spread. And um, yeah, we're just wow. a, a big, big, happy gang. I know because I remember meeting Jude. I met Cass and I met India, but I never met Coco. But I remember when you were off from the little noise sessions having Coco. And I haven't met Coco. So hopefully one day we'll get to meet. But yeah. Oh, I hope so. I've got some a photograph, a really good photograph of me on stage at the um, the Little Noise session. I think Davy Gray was playing, okay. and and um, yeah, I've got her in my arms. Oh no, Damien Rice, I think it was, and I've got her in okay. my arms, and she's about days old because I mistimed it all completely, and I had this baby when the sessions were happening. Aww. So I just thought I can't not go to the Little Noise sessions I've been working on for so long. So she's there on stage, and she's yeah, like this little shriveled up tiny baby. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. And obviously, our other link is the wonderful Irish band U2. We can't not mention them. Um, So obviously, my cousin, as you know, is the Edge from U2. And Bono and Edge did the Little Noise Sessions. They came on and did a secret set, which was amazing. It was. It was so good. It was really funny because they were playing and I wasn't allowed to tell anybody at yeah. all. It was like, yeah. Um, yeah. And we had Biffy Clyro were playing and Cortinas and I think We Are Scientists. And I couldn't even tell them. And yeah. then at the last minute, we got some surprise guests and they're going to be coming out on stage. And they went, all right, OK. And I said, well, is it OK if they come on before the Cortinas? And Liam from the Cortinas went, 
yeah, that's okay. And didn't know who it was. And I walked out and I said, oh, we've got this, you know, this new band. They're just starting out and just, you know, make them feel welcome on stage. Um, it's, and then it was Bono and Edge and they walked out on stage and everyone went, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, and, it, and all the other bands had to follow them. But it was, it was such an amazing atmosphere and so kind. I, I really, really was yeah. so grateful wanted to support Mencap and play at those gigs it you know meant the world to you and to me um yeah. that someone that's successful would take the time to come to a little tiny church in Islington and yeah. raise a of Mencap and people with learned disabilities yeah I was told I had to keep really quiet and as you might know me that is very very hard um and I literally I was like I couldn't tell anybody and like that week I was like if I can't tell anybody I'm literally gonna have to go and hide somewhere and thank god on the night we managed to pull it off and I was like thank god for that <laughs> but well done you <laughs> yeah I managed to get two of my cousins there without telling them all the details so I was like I was quite sneaky I was like why don't you come and hear the other bands that are playing they're quite good and kind of was like just really trying to get them in for different reasons and they were like why don't you just tell us what's going on and I was like no 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 just come along you'll be loving it honestly please and literally they turned up and then they were like are you thinking what I'm thinking? And I was like, I might be. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> I felt like I was in the secret service. Oh, what an amazing surprise though. I bet they were really, really happy. Yeah, they were. It was amazing. But the rest of the family were like, why didn't you tell us we could have been there? And I was <laughs> like, I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to. So yeah, that caused a little bit of a ruckus, but it was fine. It was all good. <laughs> hey, what? what's edge like as a cousin oh my god he's amazing he's he's very down to earth he's very generous he's very kind he's very loving I grew up with him so actually it's strange because his dad Garvin my dad's older brother Garvin and my dad were 15 years apart in age by 15 years and with me and Edge, it's 18. And so only three years more, which is really like spooky. Um, and yeah, we have a lovely relationship. He's always been so supportive of my career and me as a person and me as a cousin. Um, and, you know, growing up, being able to be in the U2 bubble was amazing. Like, going into the recording studio and watching the music come to life, um, going out into places with them in Dublin, in London, in Europe. That was amazing. Um, and one thing about Edge is I think, for me, our bond that we do have is through music because when I was at my two, two mainstream schools, I suffered really badly at school. I had a rough time at school. I was bullied. I found school life hard because of my learning disability. And so for me, I turned to music. Like music was the thing that helped me cope through what I was going through. And so he has introduced me um, in his world to some of my idols like Kylie Minogue he set up for me to meet her 
And that was incredible. And he uses his platform for good and change and charity through his name and through being in U2. And now I have my own platform and I wanted to be like him. And now I have my own platform and I have lots of charities that I have roles with now. I've got eight. So I'm a very busy lady now. Yeah, honestly, you're you're such a force for good. You're such an amazing role model. Honestly, you do you do great work. You really do. A lot of yeah. respect for you. A lot of respect. Were you pleased that you went to mainstream school? I'm just wondering. Um, well, I went to mainstream school first before my special needs school. I think yeah. I think because my parents didn't know what a learning disability was. I slipped through the net growing up. I wasn't diagnosed at birth. I wasn't diagnosed pre-birth, post-birth. I was only diagnosed at 10 years old. So for that first 10 years of my life, everything was swept under the carpet as Kira's naughty. Kira doesn't want to learn. Kira's not bothered. And at the age of 10... A psychologist came into my school and she talked to me. She talked to my teachers and she was able to pinpoint that I had a learning disability. Um, And then I went to my special needs school. So I think for me, I mean, looking back, had I had more support at my mainstream school to start with, I probably would have enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah. But actually needed the support. It was probably a relief for you to go to a school that catered for your special needs because they supported you. They were able to help you. Yeah. 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 A lot, hasn't it? That must have been awful, really hard for you. My sister wasn't diagnosed for a long time as well. Um, I just ask, do you know what's caused your learning disabilities? Do you know what it is? So when my mum was expecting me, she had a condition with her blood pressure um and obviously you know I've talked to her about it and I've kind of said you know I we can't we can't put our fingers on it yeah but that may have been a slight side thing that caused it but yeah you know I've always said to my mum I am me. I'm Kira. Thank good. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I would never want to blame my mum. I would never want to blame anything or anyone for my learning disability. Um, and I, I want to be a force for good now and say, actually, even though I have a learning disability, I'm married. I've been, I've just celebrated my nine year anniversary. Wow. Me and Mark are very happy. Yeah, thank you. Um, We live in our own home. So we bought a flat last year. My mum and dad helped us a little bit, but we we bought a flat. Um, And I've now had a 21 year career at Mencap. I'm currently working in the governance team. I got a promotion job last year. Um, so I'm I'm very proud of that. Um, so yeah, life is great. Yeah, yeah. You've achieved so much and you're going to carry on doing so much, so yes. much. Okay, 
answering that. I was just freaked. Yeah, it's incredible because, you know, now I can inspire other people with a learning disability to reach for the stars and to aim high and to dream big and say, look at all I've had. Yes, I've had to had to have support to get there. But look at me now. You can have that, too. And I want to, that to be my legacy when I finally retire from the learning disability world. What do you think is the biggest job that or biggest change that needs to happen? What would make what would make you happy? What's what what would make life better? I want healthcare system to change. And now, obviously, with the Oliver McGowan training that got royal assent recently, and that's now going to happen, which is just incredible. Paula McGowan is the most amazing mother on earth, um, and she's a Except- lovely friend. Yeah, explain for me what happens. So Oliver McGowan, her son, went into hospital and he was very, very poorly. And she said to them that he can't have this specific drug because it would affect his condition. And the staff gave him the medication and did it completely wrong. And sadly, he died in hospital care. And that's disgusting. It's wrong. And so off the back of it, Paula has been campaigning with Mencap with lots of other people as well. And so now every healthcare professional will get proper learning disability training, which I'm very proud about. So, yeah. Yeah. My, my Francis um, had an operation when she was well she's had loads of operations but at one point she had an operation and she wasn't given any pain relief when she came out of the operation I mean she literally had her leg was um, was broken and she went into shock afterwards and when my mum went and was looking at her notes and someone came in and she didn't have any pain relief for 24 hours and in the end someone looked at her notes and they said oh she's not been given anything for her pain relief and Francis was in like a severe state of shock by the end of that because of the pain being so intense and having no nothing at all so um you know and that the fact that that could have happened is a disgrace an absolute disgrace but you know thanks now to the campaigning um like you did and what, what was Oliver's mum called Paula is yeah. that right yeah yeah thanks thanks to people like her um you know stuff like that won't happen again hopefully yeah. hopefully yeah and I think also the media world have much more to do to make sure people with a learning disability are portrayed properly um and actually it was interesting last week because I interviewed Rufus Sewell last week who is an incredible actor and he said to me in Hollywood he feels there's real change coming. There's oh, wow. there's much more talk of diversity in film and much more awareness coming. Um, and that sounds really brilliant. So I promoted him to watch Peanut Butter Falcon because I told him that was led by an actor who has Down syndrome. So I put it on his list. <laughs> oh it's a good film really really great yeah. film yeah 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 and what about language as well language in um yes. I think it's changing but needs to change more there needs to be more awareness about what language is appropriate and what's not 
Yes, definitely. And I totally agree with you there because just the other day, obviously, now I'm going to be a bit careful because she has changed the lyrics. Now, obviously, Lizzo, she's recently brought out a new song, new track, and it had the term, I don't even want to bring myself to say what the term was. And so everybody on social media campaigned and lobbied her and were basically like, this isn't acceptable, it's not right. And at the end of last week, she brought out a statement and the the lyric has now been removed. So we won our campaign. Yeah, I nearly crashed the car when I heard that. I was listening to the song and I was like, what? 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 2022. Um, But there's obviously a lack of awareness. So, thank you know, in a way, the fact that that happens has now made a whole other generation and maybe in America realise that that word is, you know, appalling, appalling, should never be used. So maybe because of that incident, more change will come. But I was deeply shocked when I heard that. Definitely. Um, And actually, I've talked to Edge about it because... in 2019, I found a video on Madonna's Instagram account of her kids dancing to a track in their house, and it had the R word in. Yeah. So U2's manager, Guy O'Siri, who's lovely, I yeah. said to Edge, is there any way I can speak to Guy and maybe a guy could challenge her or something could be done. Um, so I did try. Unfortunately, didn't quite succeed, but I tried. Good. Well, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. But, you know, th- things are changing. And things I know Lizzo did put out um, a statement that she has changed everything. And she obviously, there was just a lack of awareness, I think. So, yeah, um, yeah not anymore. Yeah, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Um, And I guess, obviously, I know your lovely family. They're all really lovely, and I met them over the years through Mencap, and so send my love to all of them. Um, So BBC Radio 1, you were originally at, and then you moved to BBC Radio 2. So tell me about your show. Um, well, I'm on in the evenings, seven till nine, and I play a huge variety of music. I do play some U2, you'll be happy to hear. Um, and yeah, I play all sorts of stuff. So I play pop music. We have the Shiny Happy playlist at the beginning, which is um, designed for when people have got to the end of the day and they're either they're really exhausted or they're just you know happy they've got to the end of the day. We play a bunch of really happy, positive songs um, that put people in a great mood and put a, puts a smile on their face. And then we have live sessions. We have people playing on the programme. I interview people as well just like you do um and it's you know I love it I love my job I'm, I'm on Monday to Thursday I uh, do lots of other stuff in between as well but I'm I'm really happy I love being at Radio 2 I've got lots of my you know best friends are there and my the audience people I speak to are just the best you know all through the pandemic they used to send me used to really open up about their lives and their families or what's going on with them personally people losing people um and it's a real privilege to do a radio show where people trust you with that kind of information and you just have a relationship with them so um yeah I love I love my job I love being at radio too yeah um and I know you've given me a few shout outs on your show before so thank you very much I've had a few mentions 
of course. <laughs> like Mark and I were sitting at home and I was like, oh, Joe's just given us a shout out. Amazing. So like, yeah, Mark and I felt very famous. We were like, go Joe, yeah. Oh, um, so yeah, that was incredible. Um, and also you had the exclusive earlier this year of playing the song that you too did for Sing 2, which is an incredible track. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, yeah. yeah, I interviewed the band as well, uh, yeah. Bono and Edge around the time. I love that film. I don't know you. I went to Coco and it was just so beautiful and I cried. Yeah. Um, of- it's really poignant but yeah that, yes. that, that's sort of very special it's very lovely yeah. I was like that sorry album right, so if you if you speak to Edge soon I'm, I'm waiting I'm really uh, you know keen for another U2 record to come out so if you could give him a nudge a nudge that'd be great I know nothing <laughs> I know nothing is the line apparently okay <laughs> I'm not allowed. I'm so dead whenever I say anything. <laughs> say like, nothing. Oh uh, yeah, I'm like say nothing. I'm hoping now. I have heard rumors. I have been kind of hearing in the rumor mill that there may be something, but I do not know what that something is, and that's the line I'm going with. But okay. hopefully there will be, because um, I know. So. Yeah. Um, because I know they were planning a possible album and obviously they would have then had to tour that because of COVID, they couldn't. So I think at the moment they're just looking at kind of timings of when things might want to come out and kind of future. But also Edge is expecting his sixth grandchild at the moment. Okay, really? Yeah. Six? Six. Oh my so yeah, so um, Holly, his oldest daughter from his first marriage, she's now got two. Aaron, his middle daughter from his first marriage, now has two. And then Blue Angel, his third child from his first marriage, she's expecting her second baby any day. Like it's not far wow. away. So it's very exciting. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. So. <laughs> Our Evans family is expanding by the month now. It's really lovely. Um, and I keep in touch with Edge's ex-wife. I'm still very close to her because I grew up with her. Um, yeah. So we were texting the other day. I was like, do you know what it is so I could go and buy something? And so like we were having like these chats on Messenger. And like I was going into like baby gap going, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Yeah, I might get that. So, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Joe. I will let you go. And thank, thank you. you. Uh, no, I've got, I'm going to go and do one of my um, DJ sets tonight. I'm going off to Bexhill. So okay. I've got to get all my together and get myself there and put on my sparkly dress and a bit of makeup for you as well. Awesome. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, say hi Bye. to Bexhill for me. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Kira. Bye. You're listening to Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod. Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod. The views expressed in this podcast are the views of Kira and her guests and not necessarily those of the organisations to which Kira is associated with. Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod is written, presented and researched by Kira Lawrence and edited 
by John Andrews. Check back soon for another exciting episode of Kira's Pink Sparkle Pod. <laughs> <laughs>